Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is House Minority Leader, Anthony Daniels. Also, Mo Brooks is making big bucks off of Biden's energy policies and anti-vax mandates. Anyone? What's next? A zombie apocalypse? All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to the voice of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire, and Josh Moon, columnist and investigative reporter with APR. Welcome. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Hey. Josh, it's not enough that we have a special session where we have arguments about redistricting and and, and, and lines and keeping counties whole and all that kind of stuff. But the Republicans had to introduce a bunch of bills to ban vaccine mandates that are coming from the federal government. Uh, you know, Governor Ivey called a special session with two things to get done, redistricting and get some ARPA money out there to the hospitals and nursing homes. And what do we get? Yahoo! vaccine yeah. mandates yeah well i'm i'm pretty happy uh, uh because i've been looking for the death of the at will state now for a long time uh that will work state and i think that's what we're in the process of because no longer do do employers get to make the decisions on who they hire and fire and when they can hire and fire them uh but now the state government's going to do that uh thanks to our republican friends and so I, i'm pretty happy about that and I, I look forward to a lot of other exemptions being put in place for for all of the working class people out there that have had their rights squashed over the last several years to to try to build upon the, on what we've started here with the republican party and and really i'm thinking about becoming a republican i think Hell has frozen over. Yeah, I mean, I mean just, just based on, I've been looking for something to help the working class for so long, and finally they're doing it. I mean, what this is, Susan, is they're saying, of course you know, that businesses cannot tell folks that they have to be vaccinated or have to be tested, contrary to what is coming from the federal government. And, and the, the thing is, is that I've talked to plenty of Republicans who know that this is fruitless, that it's ridiculous, but still they went ahead with it anyway. I mean, what's your take on it? They went ahead with it anyway. So, you, so now you're going to tell me that if I take too long on my my break, I can say I, it was relig a religious belief or a medical reason, and you can't fire me, right? Well, or if I don't show up to work because of a religious belief or medical reason, you can't fire me. That's where they're going. This they do this every time they do anything. They put in there what is going to end up being uh, something that they can't live with, you know, unintended consequences every cotton picking time. I mean, Josh. And doing it again. I mean, this is ridiculous. Josh, it's, it's supposed to be just for COVID, but you see how, as you said, this is going to spill over into everything else. Of course else. it is. And, and the religious yeah. exemption, the religious exemption, uh, the Supreme Court has already ruled in Maine 
that there is no religious exemption, that they can no. stop this religious exemption. I mean, because I could say, like Susan said, I, my religion allows me to object to running this machine, but <laughs> I, you can't fire me because to my job is right. I mean, that's yeah. absurd, I know, but. But that's where it's gonna end up. I mean, with theoretically, you know, because I mean, they never think it through. They're thinking through it's been busted for years. Anyway, what, what, what were you thinking, Josh? Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that there will absolutely be some unintended consequences for this. Uh, it, it's a, you know, because what typically happens is they write these bills, and we've all seen them, push them through as fast as they can, uh, and and they they leave out a ton of stuff. I mean, it, it has happened over and over and over again, um, and I just. You know, I, I was thinking the other day about some of the things that, that, that they've done in the last few years. They, they essentially made it to where, uh, you know, you can't do anything anymore uh, without without checking with an attorney. And, and and the attorneys are smarter than them. And so that's that's what happens is the smart people get into a room and they dissect the ignorance that has come out of the legislature. And then they have to come back to the legislature and fix what they've done before. Yeah. And one of the things that astounds me is that this is a very small percentage of the Republican Party that wants these anti-vaccine mandates, very mm -hmm. small percentage. The businesses in Alabama, the big businesses, mm -hmm. want these mandates because they want to keep their workers safe and they mm -hmm. want to keep production up. The mm -hmm. Business Council of Alabama came out and said, look, you're not, you're going to destroy business. You're not going to help business. And and yet they they've decided they decided to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh Susan, we've gotta have some sanity here. You cannot run ah, Sanity in the legislature. I'm sorry. Go ahead. How can you run a state based on a small percentage of vocal uh, vocal uh, uh, minority. This is only about one thing and one thing only. This is an election season. That's all this is about. It's an election season. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to pander to that 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 small percentage that wants to anti-mandate and they don't care about the health of people. They don't care about business. The only cotton picking thing they care about is getting reelected. That's the bottom line. Well, I mean, they, and I understand, I don't like mandates either but no one likes to be mandated. But, you know, there's so many things that are mandated in life. Yeah. What bothers me is you're going to not only hurt people's health, you're going, uh, let's just take, for example, Huntsville, Madison, $9 billion in federal contracts in the year 2019. Josh, mm -hmm. kill that area. Yeah, it would. I mean, well, look, here's the thing is, is you're right about the mandates. We all are mandated and we're all mandated to get vaccines. Uh, yeah. and, you know, that's, that's how we all went to school was, uh, yeah. that, that's how people get, uh, go to other jobs. Uh, that's how people work for the federal government or for the state government for that matter is you're mandated to get certain vaccines and have certain vaccinations. Uh, the difference is, is that you were, they told you to do it when you were a child. So it's good for children, not so much for adults, you know? Well, I want to move on to one other thing here before we only got about a minute. Uh, this vaccine passport ban, they, they came up with a whole nother thing on that where that they would give the attorney general uh, power to enforce whatever it is. So that if you're going to a concert, they can't say, oh, you have to wear a mask or you have to show your- Does Marshall your, know how to spell the word passport? I don't know. Well, well he not really egregious, but, but anyway. I mean, the thing is, is that you're telling businesses what they can and cannot do. 
I thought that's not a very Republican thing to do, right? You're telling businesses <laughs> yeah. they can't can't protect their customers and their workers. Well, I mean, the, the idea that you can't tell people who can and can't come out in and out of your store, especially when you're trying to protect, literally trying to protect your customers and your employees uh, from a deadly virus that's killed 750,000 Americans. 750,000 Americans have died from this virus in, in less than two years. So, you know, maybe maybe some of this stuff is, should be taken a bit more seriously by people. But, but, but isn't that a mandate, technically? The, 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 you're telling businesses... Yeah, they, you're, you're, they can't, but now we want an anti-mandate. Yeah. And I'm a little confused. Well, now. we're going to have Help to stay out. confused right now. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. Whether I am in Margaritaville enjoying a cheeseburger in paradise or cruising around on the Gulf of Mexico, I always make sure to vote. I am Jimmy Buffett, and I want to encourage you, too, to become a registered voter and to obtain a photo ID so you can have your voice heard and your vote count just like me. It is 5 o'clock somewhere, but fortunately, you have from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. to get to the polls and exercise your right to vote. Keep making a difference for Alabama. So you got caught speeding. But this time, you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Anthony Daniels. House Minority Leader. Representative Daniels, welcome. Thank you for having me, Bill and Susan. Always good to see you. Always. You know, I, we wanted to have you on today to talk about redistricting. You know, this is something that comes around every 10 years, and the party in the majority gets to draw the district lines, and um, the minority, it seems like in Alabama, doesn't have much say over it. But I'd like to get your opinion on how these lines were drawn? Well, you know, that, that's a good question. Uh, we're still trying to figure out how they were drawn and what um, principles were used to draw the lines. Uh, I think for us, uh, they did meet with individual members to kind of have a discussion and showed them exactly what they drew. However, members had very little to no input on uh, many of the changes. And so it was uh, uh, talked about or to us that uh, these are the principles we have to use in trying to make counties whole. However, we saw those, uh, the, the discrepancies in, in that concept uh, play itself out on the House floor because I would assume that politics played a role in making some of those changes. Uh, and so, you know, for us, uh, we're all about making counties whole uh, and communities of interest being able to uh, be together. Uh, for example, in Jefferson County, Jefferson County has uh, enough population for 14 House members, but they have 17. And so you have three individuals that live outside of Jefferson County, some of which, one of which live about four counties over, that snakes into Jefferson County. Now, what does that person have in common with Jefferson County? They don't have anything in common with the local people in Jefferson County. And so what we want to do is be able to uh, keep communities whole. 
The Constitution does not say that incumbents must be protected. It's very clear uh, about how these lines should be drawn, encouraging making counties whole. Uh, and every, uh, in Section 199 of the Constitution, also talks about every county being able to have a representative. And so what you have uh, in, in many in these instances is that you see that their practice has not been um, focused a lot on the actual traditional redistricting principles. Uh, and so that's what we're challenging. It's, it's going to be interesting to see, given the changes that the Supreme Court has brought about. I know that there's a plan or there's already a challenge in federal court. Do you think there's any way to prevail in federal court on these issues? I do. I think what you have uh, on the federal court side, uh, given the congressional lawsuit that, that we've seen play out here in, in the last couple of weeks and, and months, uh, what you're beginning to see is that uh, federal law and the Voting Rights Act uh, for federal lines is very different. Um, and so um, they can split precincts, they can make counties whole, uh, not make counties whole on the federal side, but you cannot draw districts based upon uh, race, right? And you can't, you can't draw them based upon race. And so what you're beginning to see is uh, the lines that were um, drawn, the, the maps that were drawn are, are maps that create an opportunity for the potential for communities of interest to be able to elect their personal choice in two actual um, congressional districts. But what you've seen play out is you're seeing a lot of gerrymandering at its best. Uh, but you can gerrymander. It's not illegal to gerrymander, right? But it is illegal to draw based upon race. But aren't they actually doing this based upon race, just kind of under the carpet a little bit? And, and, and how is that fair? They're, they're, because they, they usually what they call stack and pack. And that, that's just not fair to the minority communities here. Absolutely not. Uh, my message has always been, you know, when you look at uh, the districts on the majority side, many of those districts are not less than 60%, at least 90% of those districts are not less than 60% white. And so you're seeing some packing going on in the, on the mm -hmm. majority side as well. And so as diverse as the state of Alabama is, uh, I've often talked about, you know, how can you understand what you don't understand in the words of, of uh, my good friend, uh, Majority Leader uh, Ledbetter, how can you understand what you can't, uh, how can you begin to understand what you can't understand, right? Try to understand right. what you can't understand. And, and how do you do that? Well, you got to have diverse constituencies so that when you're in Montgomery, you're, you're representing the entire state of Alabama. You're representing the different races and classes of people and different interests. But we're not seeing that play out. We're seeing lines being drawn based upon the safety net of an incumbent, which is so unfortunate. Yeah, and I, we hear a lot of our folks talk about term limits and all that, but we don't see it in practice. And when you draw districts lines that are basically in, incumbent security lines, mm -hmm. Again, I go back to the question Susan asked, how is this fair, not only to the districts, but to the communities, keeping them whole? I mean, John Adams, one of the founding fathers said that the district should represent the whole, it should be like a miniature picture of the whole 
folks that it's representing. We don't have that in Alabama. There is not that those districts. Don't. I mean, Jefferson County, like you talked about, is just appalling. But they're afraid of losing Jefferson County as as a Republican stronghold. Split into seven districts for Pete's sake. I mean, how do you how do you talk to folks and say this is not fair? Well, it, it falls on deaf ears. Uh, I do think that in many instances, except for the exception being in Jefferson County. The Senate map does create more of an opportunity for making district whole, but a county whole, but the House map is not even close. And so we drew a map um, earlier in the week that we introduced, whereas the current map only uh, was able to make about 26 uh, counties whole, and we had a map that was able to draw 48, make 48 wow. counties whole. 48 and out of 67. Yeah. Yes. And so what you, what you have is, uh, you have, uh, you know, a lot of the political pandering uh, that's going on uh, to secure districts and district lines uh, for those individuals that are in, in the majority, and which is unfortunate. Well, I know that that's, that's the that's point. The point. It's not yes. about who gets elected. It's about who does the electing. Yeah, and, and who gets represented appropriately. And, and I, we're going to run out of time. But I want to thank you for being here. And the opposition is needed in Alabama because everyone should be represented. Absolutely. The days where uh, politicians choose their constituents instead of their constituent choosing them, that's an example that's playing out of this map. We want to thank you for your leadership down there in Montgomery. And thank you for joining us. Good to thank see you. Thank you for having me. See you too. Our guest today has been Anthony Daniels, Minority Leader in the House of Representatives. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. No, not this. This. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Whether I am in Margaritaville enjoying a cheeseburger in paradise or cruising around on the Gulf of Mexico, I always make sure to vote. I am Jimmy Buffett, and I want to encourage you, too, to become a registered voter and to obtain a photo ID so you can have your voice heard and your vote count just like me. It is 5 o'clock somewhere, but fortunately, you have from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. to get to the polls and exercise your right to vote. Keep making a difference for Alabama. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We've been talking uh, recently about Mike Durant, who has entered the U.S. Senate race, the Black Hawk Down story guy. And uh, we've been asking, what is his lane? Where does he fit into the race? And I don't think we still have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. But the uh, Alabama Daily News got a copy of his game plan, Susan. Mm -hmm. And they say he's he's running as a pro-Trump conservative. Right. But isn't everyone running as a pro-Trump conservative? Absolutely, they are. Now, and what we understand from the camp, now he's not been real visible lately. He's not really going out and shaking hands and kissing babies and all of that. He's running some ads, uh, apparently, but he's hiring some really powerful entities out of D.C. and surrounding areas 
that may, it seems like it's pretty serious if he actually engages them. We don't have any evidence that he's actually engaged them at, though. I mean, they, you know, they've, he's hired political consultants out of D.C., which they all do. Right. So mm -hmm. he's serious about spending some money on it. The thing that, you know, we have seen is that he's gone after Kate, after Mo Brooks. Mm -hmm. But the internal memos say that his, the person he has to go after at some point is Katie Britt. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, um, it's a foregone conclusion for a lot of people there that, that Britt is going to ultimately, you know, either, either be the front runner or one of those top two challengers there um, pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I think that all she really lacked was name recognition. She had a lot of people supporting her. She's got a lot of uh, really good endorsements at this point. Uh, and I still am not really clear on, on where Durant fits into this, other than to say that at some point they're hoping to push Mo Brooks out um, you know, and, and eliminate the crazy train uh, from this race. And, and maybe that's where he then believes he can go head to head with Katie Britt and, and they can have a, uh, a, a contest between two at least rational people, uh, although rational people that I, I disagree with pretty, pretty heavily. Uh, but at least it would be among two people that you could envision being senators, you know, where, yeah. where with Mo Brooks, it's whew. Well, he has. They do have a complete game plan on going after Mo Brooks. We've seen that playing out. We haven't seen what they'll do with Katie Britt, other than they said they would call her an insider. Right. You know, and, and insider meaning she's competent, right? Yeah. She knows what I, she's just, doing. I don't. I don't understand that. That the knocks on on people like that. It just. You know, uh, I, that that sort of insider stuff. I. I mean, so she's had a job. That's what. That's what you're having a problem with. I don't. You well, know. I don't. I, I, uh, I don't understand this thing on, in politics because when I go to my auto mechanic, yeah. I, I want him to understand auto Have mechanics. experience. Some yeah. experience. Yeah. I, I, when I go to my auto mechanic, I don't. I say, well, I need an outsider for my pancreas <laughs> <laughs> pancreas yeah. surgery. You know, yeah. I want I want Joe to take out my pancreas because. He's an outsider. And, and, and yeah. really, honest to God, it comes from people who have not really been around process. Yeah. If you've been around the process itself, even at the state house, you understand you've got to have somebody with experience in the game yeah. or you're totally well, lost. You know, I, I think it comes a lot from people who are who are frustrated, everyday people who are kind of frustrated mm -hmm. with, with the government that they don't think pays attention to them. And I, and I get that part. Uh, but you know, the, the problem is, is you do have to have that experience. If you, it, it's nice to say, I'm going to listen to the people and go up there, but if you don't know how in the hell to get the people's uh, stuff done, then it doesn't matter exactly. to you, you know? So what you're trying to find is somebody who is competent, uh, in, in that regard, somebody who will go up there and do what they say they'll do, uh, and knows how to work the process and work with people from both sides of the aisle to get things done. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had that in Doug Jones. Doug Jones was a perfect example of somebody that would listen to people and then go and get stuff done, uh, you know, but we, we didn't care about him, so. Well, again, uh, we're not related to Katie Britt, although we know her and are fond of her. Uh, we want to see someone competent representing the state of Alabama. Yeah. That is a big deal. Uh, Josh, we had another report this past week on Mo Brooks. That man is a stock machine. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, he, he was invested heavily in Pfizer, sold some stock, and and made some money. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a guy who has criticized the Biden administration's energy policies. He's criticized the Green New Deal. He, he's done all those things, yet he owns stock <laughs> in uh, Duke Energy and Dominion Energy, people that are profiting mightily off yeah. the so-called Green New Deal and the Biden liberal policies. 
How does that yeah, work? Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, I guess it's it's one thing to criticize publicly, but when you're talking about real dollars, he, he knows where to put the money, I guess. I, <laughs> and listen, I, you know, you look back at uh, at what he's invested in. I, uh, he w- he's uh, if he had a little more in some of those things, he would uh, probably be a lot better off. Uh, but I mean, it's uh, he's he's done pretty well from the investing standpoint. Maybe he should do that. Maybe he should just become a day trader uh, and stop all this congressional and Senate race stuff. Just just become a day trader. I mean, he's got hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in these companies that are profiting off the uh, Biden administration. Well, it's, again, it's typical Mo Brooks. He says one thing, he does something different. This is not new. This is not mm-hmm. new. And I tell you uh, this: when, you, when we talk about the insider stuff, that's the sort of thing that people hate. Uh, the, the phoniness and it's totally uh, legal uh, for uh, them. Uh, of, of people. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and yeah, you're right. They, they trade off of that, the information, uh, although I think that, that we're going to maybe squash that pretty soon. But it, it's that phoniness that, that people really have a problem with. When you, when you tell people back home, ah, you know, I'm fighting this and this, and then you, know, you find out you're invested in that sort of stuff and you're making money right. off of it. That's the sort of things that people, they, they don't care for at all. No. <clears throat> and it's pretty obvious that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know that people are getting that message. I tell you, Josh, and you did this story, and it's just unbelievable to me. I'm moving on. Talladega probate judge Randy Jinks <laughs> was removed from office because of racial, sexual, and other comments that he made while in office. <gasps> I mean, and, and they've got him on record, but he says it never happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, hey, listen... It is, it is very hard for somebody to get thrown off the bench in the state of Alabama, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all, I mean, really, that's probably all you need to know. If you've ever run into a bad judge uh, in this state and filed a complaint, you know how hard it is to get somebody even reviewed uh, or investigated for, for uh, some kind of uh, poor action that they've taken. So the fact that he's done this, and there's a 78-page report out there that details just the most egregious uh, and horrible office environment that you've had. I mean, yeah. th- those poor people working there, and they're, they're the ones who recorded him. His employees recorded him saying all these things and, and presented it to, to the uh, commission. Well, he did have one characteristic. One character witness. We got to end it right after that. Who was his character witness? Bob Riley. <laughs> Former Governor Bob Riley is Jinx's character witness. They still kicked him out. All right, but he has a right to appeal. You've been watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them. <laughs>